If you've ever wondered what an Irishman thinks is really special about Ireland, you'll want to stick around for today's podcast and my chat with author Jack Cavanaugh. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me again here on the Traveling in Ireland podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with me. Uh, Jack Cavanaugh is the author of Always Ireland, an insider's tour of the Emerald Isle. So, Jack, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jody. Thank you for having me. So, you grew up in a really beautiful part of Ireland, and then your profession kind of took you away. And I'm sure that's given you a really interesting perspective on your home country. So considering this question as both an Irishman and an expat, what do you think it is that draws people to Ireland? Well, first of all, you're right. Um, I did grow up in a, in a very special part of Ireland, which is County Wicklow, um, which is often referred to as the Garden of Ireland. It's it's up there with Kerry and, and Galway and Connemara, all the, all the beauty spots in Ireland. So to go from there to London, to Tokyo, to Philadelphia, to Washington, D.C., which are all beautiful cities and all that, but it was a big change, big, big uh, not, not so much a culture shock, but um, just, just very interesting to be amongst different people, different cultures, and to see Ireland from abroad and see it the way it's seen abroad. Uh, I always say that it's, it's, it's having the, the insight of the outsider, which is very helpful. Um, the longer you've been away, the easier it is to see the appeal of Ireland, which is your question, you know, the, the special appeal of Ireland. And I've thought about this, and there's, 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 to me, the, the book is aimed at, at mainly American audiences. And the, for Americans, I think there's three great appeals uh, to, to Ireland uh, for Americans. There's the language, there's the roads, and there's the people. So we speak English, obviously, of a sort, you know. So the fact that it's it's an English-speaking country makes travel very easy for visiting Americans. Um, as you'll know, of course, there's very there's a, there's many varieties of of English spoken uh, in in Ireland, and I go into that in the book a little bit as to why we speak so so strangely, so weirdly, uh, so interestingly. I think anyway, from from the outside, um, but we we basically speak English. Um, through Gaelic, through Irish. In other words, we, our forefathers and our ancestors, spoke a different language completely. So we've had to learn this new language and, and kind of colonise it ourselves. Um, James Joyce said that the, the great revenge of the Irish was to colonise the English language, and I think there's something in that. But what we do, of course, is we think in Gaelic, and then we speak in Ireland, in, in, in English, rather, so the rhythms of speech are very different in Ireland. And I'll give you an example that I, I saw recently in the film The Banshees of Inishairn. One of the main characters who's a musician uh, is, is telling the, the other character about how he used his time this morning. Um, and he wrote a tune, basically. But he doesn't say, I made this tune or I, I composed this tune. He says, this I made. In other words, it's the other way around. You get all these kind of... Um, different ways of speaking in Ireland. And then there's, of course, the accents, the uh, the Cork accent I go into a little bit in the book because it's such fun. Um, 
and just just their way of speaking that they use different terminology even there so for example doing pana or walking in cork city they call it doing pana uh, and i go into a bit you know about the characters you'll meet and the kind of things they'll say to you and and how you almost have to have an interpreter with you for this variety of accents there's as you know there's 32 yes. different uh, accents in Ireland, which is a hell of a lot for a small little country, <laughs> and you'll get to know most of them if you hang around long enough. If, uh, if you're in Kerry, you might need a translator, um, but uh, they will make themselves understood. And so English, the fact we're English speaking is, is a great appeal. You know, makes it very easy to get around with road signs and that. The, the roads themselves are the second great appeal, I think, uh, since I've been back. Since we joined the EU in the 1970s, the roads have got better and better and better. Um, and the lovely thing about it is it used to take you about six hours to get from one side of the country to the other, from Galway to Dublin to Galway. Now it takes about two and a half uh, because there's highways, of course, and they're very well-kept highways. Um, we do drive on the left, which is uh, a challenge for Americans. But everywhere is within a day's drive now because the roads are so good um, and the highways and the byways. So in that sense, it's one of the easiest places in the world to see if you've got only you've got a week or six days or even 10 days. You'll see it all. You know, you can go anywhere in a day, basically. Um, Not that you would want to, because, you know, let's be clear, even though you can get from Dingle to the Giants Causeway in a day, mm. it's still a long drive and you're going to, if you're just zipping through, you're going exactly. to miss a lot, but, but you could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say like the, the, the highways and byways are, of Ireland are, are great. So you take the highways to get there to your mm -hmm. destination to a dingle or go Connemara or whatever. Um, and, but then you take the byways to explore like, and the byways are great because you go from these four lane highways <laughs> right to little hedgerows, you know, filled with wildlife and all kinds of interesting things to explore and to look at and the scenery of course yes. is beautiful and, and then what you meet on the byways also is very interesting people just out walking or you know just just uh doing whatever they do in the summer of course you'll, you'll meet fabulous people i was uh putting up a story on instagram recently uh, if you want to check it out it's at jk global text and it's about a woman that we met on the byways a few years ago myself and the photographer Jeff Maritzen were in Ireland and we we're going from, I think, Dublin to Waterford, uh, Tipperary to Waterford, maybe. Um, we met this woman called Helen Riley and Helen Riley is a, a traveler woman. So we stopped and she was feeding her horse by the side of the road. The horse was drawing the, the, the caravan, a very old school caravan, wooden caravan. She tells us her story. She tells us the story of the traveling people. Um, so that's one of the stories in the book. But that brings us on to the third great thing about Ireland, I think, which is the people. Yes. Um, and, and people in Ireland, you really should treasure that as a resource. You should, that should be your destination going to Ireland is the people, mm -hmm. as much as the, the beautiful scenery and the Cliffs of Moher and all that. Because Irish people, as you know well, Jody, love to talk. Yes. Um, they really do. Uh, they'll enjoy a chat with anyone. Um, so in the, in, the, in the book, we go into some of the places, the best places to meet Irish people. You don't have to go too far ever to, to hear an Irish person talk, <laughs> but uh, pubs are probably the best place to go. Um, Irish people are very welcoming. They're very friendly. And, you know, at this point, having lived abroad, I can say that they're they're among the most um, welcoming to their own country of, of any people. 
and they also have time to meet other people to talk to people which is nice the the fast pace of life modern life it's there of course in in, in big cities and all that but you know if you're as i say if you're on the byways in ireland particularly in summer um it's a good thing to get lost having gps is a bad thing in ireland because getting lost gives you a chance to stop talk to somebody and you'll have a great conversation if you want to for the next half hour because they're only too uh too too willing to talk the other great place actually speaking of the people is uh, GAA game. Have you been to a GAA game, Jody? No? I've I've not been to an official GAA game. You know right. when when you're when you're driving and you you maybe see the teams like the younger teams out. Yeah, you know, stopping yeah, at one of those. Yeah. But but to go to one of the big the big matches, we haven't. That just hasn't matched up with our travels. Yeah. but no, you know it's, it's always fun to stop at the smaller ones where it's yeah. it's families and just you know just people kind yeah. of enjoying the afternoon and watching watching the kids play exactly exactly but if, if you never got a chance to go to croke park like uh, for a big game because this, part of the fun is actually getting there and, and leaving there because <laughs> just the, the sheer banter and the fun is is great um and of course it's all amateur so you you, you could be in croke park with eighty thousand people but you know the people beside you will know the guy who's playing in goal for for Offaly or Tipperary or someone because they work with them or you know because they've some family connection or whatever. So it's, it's very warm and and very affable and uh, the uh, what we call the slagging is great. The slagging being this kind of gentle teasing that, that we go on with in Ireland. You know, um, we we, <laughs> we we never like to get see people get too high, you know, too, too full of themselves in Ireland. So they're always kind of gently taken down with a little bit of slagging, a bit of teasing, you know. Joshing, I suppose you'd call it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it translates, but it's um, it's all good, good humor all and good, good nature. Yeah. So part of your resume includes leading national Gra- National Geographic expedition tours of Ireland. So thinking about this question, kind of as a guide and an explorer in your own country, what is the best advice you would offer to people who are considering a trip to Ireland? Well, I, I've loads of advice, obviously, because I've done it so many times, and because uh, I, I take groups around with with the with National Geographic expeditions. So there's the, all the all the practical advice is in the book. Mm-hmm. But I suppose um, the the best advice in terms of how to enjoy yourselves or how to get the most out of it is, I'd say, go with an open mind, you know, and be prepared to go with the flow. Ireland's a very spontaneous country, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, be prepared to talk to people and to listen to people and, and be prepared to be amazed by what people tell you. Like I, I spent half my life in Ireland and half my life abroad, but I'm, I'm still amazed and, and shocked sometimes by the, the great stories that, that Irish people tell me. And it's not so much the stories, it's the way they tell them. You know, they, they, Irish people have a very nice way of delivering a story and, uh, and, and kind of building it up. And of course, this goes back to you know centuries of practice with uh, Shanachies, which is uh, the Irish word for storytellers. Storytelling is is really really revered in Ireland. You know, if you can't tell a good story, you're, you're, <laughs> you you're better keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's um, you know that, that's part of the reason why we like pubs so much because you, you've got an audience there and you've got you know you can deliver you can deliver it over and they've got time to listen to you, but but. You know, in, in, in all seriousness, it was 
this this knack of of storytelling um built up over centuries of you know sitting around the fire when there was no tv or internet of course um and it was a way of entertaining yourself over the, over the long winter nights so a good story would always be added to and told in different ways and re-delivered and you know slightly tweaked here and there so you know always being prepared to listen to people's stories and be open-minded for example i was in kerry last year um and i was in valencia island which is one of the most spectacular islands in, in Ireland, absolutely beautiful place. And I was uh, in a little cottage there writing the book for a week. And I invited a, a friend up who, he was actually a friend of a friend, a kind of an acquaintance from my hometown. Uh, I, I knew he had a place in, in Valencia. So I got his number and I said, you know, I'm around, come up, watch the match or whatever. And um, he was a retired school teacher, a very kind of quiet spoken man, lovely man, Kieran. And he told me a lot about, you know, spending time in Kerry, he gave me a lot of good stories in Kerry. And he proceeded to tell me this incredible story, which shocked everyone in the room, uh, about his daughter who was on her third heart, believe it or not. She had had two uh, heart transplants. Now, I didn't even know that was, that was possible. I, I, I'd, I'd never heard of such a thing, you know. But it was the way he told it was so, so incredible. He, he kind of told it at halftime during the match we were watching. And as soon as the By match, the way. He said, oh, okay, so I, I won't bore you last now. And we'll get back to the match. And we won't tell us the end. Is she okay? Happens, oh, my know? goodness. And, and he, he, he kind of left us hanging then, of course, till the end of the match. Uh, and he told us the rest. But, but it's, it's, you know, it's typical of, of Irish people. They, they, they really can tell a good story. Um, so, you know, that's that's the other thing. Uh, they tell a good story, but they're good listeners as well, Irish people, because they're they're, they're very interested in uh, other people. I find um, in a way that you don't get in 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 you know more built up places uh, around the world where people just don't have time, I suppose. But um, Irish people will always be very interested in in in, in outsiders because we're an island race, but we're not insular in in our thinking, you know. So the other part of the equation is that there's uh, 20 million Irish people abroad. So you'll usually find, you know, if you tell them where you're from, um, they'll usually find find a connection, you know, oh, yeah, I have a cousin there or down the road or in the same state or whatever, you know. They're, they're very kind of uh, open to where you're from and, yes. and what your experience is, you know. Yes, very much uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I tell the, the story in the book that uh, the, the general historic story, at least my take on it, you know, um, is that, you know, as an Irish, as a, as an island people, the Irish have been conquered repeatedly. But we believe in, in kind of reconquering the conquerors with a bit of charm and a bit of persuasion of, of storytelling. So, for example, the Normans came to Ireland, they, they colonized the land. Um, and they were forbidden to fraternize with the Irish or to speak Irish. You know, it was the same, same, same idea of, of, you know, getting rid of the Irish culture and making everyone Norman or English. Um, so Irish was forbidden to, to be spoken or Irish music was forbidden. But of course, it didn't work. And, and the reason it didn't work was because the Irish have all the best parties. So, of course, they're going to fraternize with them. So the famous saying is that, you know, the Normans became more Irish than the Irish themselves. And I think that's uh, that's what happens when you talk too long to an Irish person. 
<laughs> they draw you in and, and that is yeah, so true with their stories you know so yeah. true oh my goodness so i did actually receive a preview copy of your book and the first thing i thought about it when well i got the box and i was like that's a huge box and then secondly i pulled it out and it's this massive hardcover book and it's what a good inch thick and it's i was like yeah. i was like that is so much more than a guidebook. Yeah, yeah. And so going through it, I mean, and and I read it. I, I okay, I'll, I didn't like read it, read it, but I'm a fast reader. Um, but I I went through every page, skimmed it heavily. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> and I think the thing that I loved the most about this book is that every county has its time to shine. So places like Tyrone and the Sparren Mountains and Wexford mm -hmm. and Sligo, mm -hmm. you know places that I absolutely love that most people have never heard of when, and they don't see when they're, when they're trying to figure out their Ireland vacation. Um, all of those places were, were in this book and highlighted and, you know, talked about as equals with the places that, yeah. that everybody knows County Kerry and the cliffs of Mahor, yeah. um, you know, Wicklow and Glendalough, everything, everything is in there. Um, and then you added culture and driving tours and, and advice and, and everything like that. So it obviously was a lot of research. How long did you spend working on this book? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I suppose like the... the, the, the Other than a lifetime, right? <laughs> the right answer is two years, but the, the proper answer is, you know, <laughs> decades but um, but no, I do I do go back a lot. Like obviously, uh, I still I still have family in Dublin, and um, I go back, you know, at least once or twice a year, um, whenever I can. So so I, I I I have I was ready to write it if you like, but it took about um, it took about two years with COVID and that because it was kind of interrupted with COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think I say somewhere in the book that you know COVID was a very un-Irish thing. It was like. <laughs> The idea of masking a smile or just the idea of social distancing in Ireland was completely alien to us. It was kind of what? Yeah, yeah. We can't go to somebody's house and, and you know, have a cup of tea or two kilometers. That's it. Yeah, it was it was very difficult, you know, but um, but no, it was it was great. Um, like to answer your question, um, it, it was a it's, it's more of a it's it's less of a travel guide because I think travel guides are are migrating online now you can get everything you need online in terms of information travel information accommodation etc so this was more of a um i suppose what you call an aspirational travel book um i like to think of it as a, a dreamer's guide to ireland you know uh, i introduced a character in the book who uh, is deceased now unfortunately but i he was like a, a, a kind of mentor to me when i started out in journalism his name was con hulahan in the press and Colin was a great sports writer who um, his, his credo, if you like, was daydreaming is good for you, <laughs> you know, which <laughs> I always thought that was good. Like we, we should all have the time to daydream, you know, we should all have the time to think what we want in life mm -hmm. before we actually go out chasing it, you know. So I, this is a way of kind of daydreaming about Ireland, this book, because it's it was written with the idea that, yeah, it's good to know where you're going and what you're doing and where, where you, we recommend to eat. And that's in it. But. A lot of it is, you know, what do you like about Ireland? What appeals to you about Ireland? 
um, something you can dip into like prior to going if you buy the book now and you're going to go in six months time or a year's time you'll you'll be um your appetite will be whetted in ways you know if you're into history if you're into culture or food or whatever uh you know trips to take you mentioned the sparren mountains which i'm I'm delighted somebody actually read that chapter because it's it's um but it's great i and i'm really happy to hear you you say that because you know hopefully more people will go to these places um but that's what the book is about it's about just kind of dipping into ideas about ireland and characters about ireland culture and um, what people are doing now, not not just, you know, historic and all the things you'd expect and all the tourist things, but, you know, try to introduce to interesting people. And um, a lot, there's a lot of culture in it as well, because, as we said, half the appeal to me of Ireland is, is its people, you know. Um, I also put in a section about the Irish abroad uh, in, in the various places, like the Irish in Britain, what they're doing what they've done historically, the Irish in America, of course, the Irish in New York, um, Africa, Australia, etc. Because th- that's that's a big, big part of the Irish story that kind of gets overlooked, you know, the, the 20 million people who are abroad and what they've done and what they've brought back. Um, I, <laughs> you also <laughs> included the islands of Ireland, which I yeah, thought yeah. was a really yeah. nice addition because other than the Aran Islands, a lot of people don't don't know them. Don't yeah. know them, yeah. So yeah. you know, no, it's, seeing Jersey yeah, uh, in there, and and obviously you you mentioned Valencia, um, and and Spike okay. Island, which is getting yeah. more notoriety now. But seeing mm-hmm. more of that, I just I yeah. really like that it it gives people a whole picture, as yeah. opposed mm-hmm. to the small tourism brochure picture. Exactly. And yeah. it, also reminds people that even though Ireland has this amazing history and amazing culture and you know that I guess it's that um that thought of wanting to visit I I hear this a lot the real Ireland Mm, and mm. when people say that to me I have to ask them what do you mean by that and usually it's kind of a television um quiet man version of Ireland yeah, and yeah. and while I I love that romantic version of Ireland, and you can definitely find it, I love the fact that Ireland so easily melds together the current, and you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a very very technologically advanced country. It's not, you know, you're not yeah. traveling back in time. There's there's yeah. internet and phones, and like you said, great yeah. great highways between places. But then you can get off of those areas and and kind of feel like this is what it used to be like. And I love mm-hmm. that um, that it so easily blends in Ireland. It's not a stark contrast yeah, of here yeah. and now, and then over there is the other. That yeah. everything kind of fits. Well, I, I, it's that's a very good point you make, Jody. Um, Ireland is the past and the present because it's always evolving. It's it's a very vibrant country, you know, which makes it good to visit. Um, but it has the past, it has the, the present, it also has the future. And I think the key to all this is the storytelling. And I'll give you an example. You were talking about the islands, which are, are really a fascinating part if you have time to go out. They, they, they do take a bit of effort to get to, obviously. But, you know, if you go to the Skelligs in County Kerry, you're visiting a 6th century monastery uh, where, you know, 
monks were living on for, for centuries in, in the dark ages of Europe. But you're also visiting the, the last... Uh, um, the last setting, Jedi. The, the Jedi story as well, you know? And, and that whole, that whole um, industry just gravitated there for a few months and, and, you know, found it absolutely amazing. So there's a whole industry now about that, about that they have their own um, Star Wars festival there every May 4th, because May the 4th, May the 4th be, be with you. With you. Yes. <laughs> so, it's, it, you know, Ireland adapts very easily. It's, it, it's a very adaptive culture because, it, it, yeah, as I say, it's not, it's not insular. It absorbs other culture and, and it goes with the flow and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it's it is a very easy place to visit because it's uh, there's fun things going on like that, you know. And if you're not just into history, if you're if you're into, I don't know, if you're into rock and roll, it's a fantastic place. Like you know, I, I love um, music, I love rock music, and there's always incredible bands to go for me to go and see in, in Dublin when I'm there. Um, then I'll go down to Dingle and I'll be sitting and listen to traditional music, which is fantastic, you know. Um, it's a, it's a great, great place, you know, for all those reasons. It's a bit of everything, you know. There truly is. I, I know when I'm working with people to help them with their itinerary, one thing I always ask is, what are you interested in and yeah. what do you like to do? Because you know, if, if you like kayaking or you like surfing mm -hmm. or you like knitting or music, I mean, you can find something exactly, literally yeah. for everyone there. And and just bring a little bit of Irish flavor into what you already enjoy. So exactly, yeah, yeah. And as 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 I said again, it's it's the people that make it you know great and 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 make it very welcoming. And and you know whatever you're into, if you're a surfer, you'll have a very Irish experience surfing in Donegal or whatever, because the Irish people will will be different. Because you know when you're done surfing for the day, you go and you have a pint in a in a fantastic pub. Where everyone is expected to get up and give a song. There's a place called the Scene Pub in Donegal. If you've ever been, um, yeah, and, and this kind of thing is going on. It's just, it's just a brilliant place to be in terms of fun and that. Um, Irish people are good fun to be with. I was on a cruise to Cuba, uh, and on the first, uh, it was a kind of press thing, a, you know, a, a travel press thing. And the first night, a cartoonist from Toronto, who's, who's become a lifelong friend ever since, he's a great guy, Gary. He came up to me and said, oh, you're the Irish guy here? And I said, yeah, nice to meet you, Jack. Um, and he said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to hang around with you if you don't mind, because the Irish always know where the good parties are. <laughs> so, and that's the thing. But I, th I think Irish people are, you know, they're, they're good at kind of blending in and that. I'll tell you another story was a, um, I was at a bus stop in D.C. when I worked down there uh, about 10 years ago. And um, this guy saw me reading a book. It was a Comto Bean book, I think. And he, he was kind of, you know, I could feel him over my shoulder. So I said, hello. And he said, what are you reading there? And we get into this conversation about Ireland and all that. And he started kind of pounding me with questions about Ireland. And he said, so how many people are in Ireland? And I said, it's uh, 4.5 million at the last count. And he said, what? And I, I kind of thought, you know, where's he going from? And he said, geez, for 4.5 million people, you make a hell of a racket. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, you mean, you mean culturally, obviously, you know that. But, uh, but I, I think, um, yeah, it's it's great for the food and the scenery and all that. But I, I think the people is, is what really make it, it great, you know. And he's right; it is. It does pull its punch above its weight culturally, you know, in terms of literature, songs, music, all that, you know. So it's all in the book. Yes, and so good. 
So Jack, as we're wrapping up our time, I always end my interviews with a question and I'm gonna apologize because it's a difficult question. And because I'm, I'm actually not limiting you to your area. So what are three things that you think people should not miss in Ireland when they visit? It's hard. Usually I let people, if I'm talking to somebody say in Wicklow, I say, what shouldn't they miss in Wicklow? But right, right. you know, you wrote a book about the whole country. So you're kind of yeah, yeah, so I'm on the spot here. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, Usually, like I'd say, you know, if I'm going back to, to Ireland, which I am soon, uh, uh, there's three places I always try to get to, you know, Dublin, Galway, Kerry, because they're just fantastic and great fun and, and the right to be up there as the, the big destinations. So I'll try and give three, um, you know, three other things that you might not have, have heard of or whatever. So the first one in, in maybe we'll take Dublin, Kilkenny and Donegal as being, you know, three great places to visit if you, if you really want to see something different. Um, in Dublin, of course, like most people had for the Book of Kells, um, it's the big attraction. We're probably the only country in the world where, you know, the main attraction is a book. Uh, <laughs> which says it all about Ireland, really. But um, Trinity called Trinity Library, rather, where where it's shown is currently being uh, renovated. So it might be a bit tricky to get there. So I, a, I'll give you an alternative place, uh, which most people don't see, um, and it's to go and see some dead bodies. You know, <laughs> which it's uh, bog bodies. Now you might have heard about the bog bodies, but. Um, to give them it's to, to give it its proper name, it's the Kingship and Sacrifice Exhibition at the National Museum of Irish Archaeology. And of course, these are the bog bodies that date from the the Bronze Age. They're corpses that have been preserved for centuries in the in the bog. Um, and I should say that, like Dubliners, like myself, <laughs> I myself a Dublin, even though I'm Wicklow. Um, I lived in Dublin for a few years, but um, we have a very dark sense of humor. Like we were going to wicked dark sense of humor. Uh, we like black humor. Um, and, and my favorite story to come out of Dublin is James Joyce's the dead. Like most people, you know, so I get this kind of perverse kick that, uh, when, when, when national geographic expeditions tours, uh, the first, the, 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 the our guests land, we get them on a hotel and we introduce ourselves. And then the very first thing we show them are dead people. <laughs> it's like here's some dead bodies like from you know a few thousand years ago but but they are fascinating they're they're really really worth going to see you know um they're they're like leather skinned um and it's just like looking back in time it's so it's, fascinating it's like cheating time you know it's like well these people were bronze age people and mm-hmm. we, we don't know how they died of course but we suspect that they might have been sacrificed you know um and there was there was a good piece in the new york times if, if your um listeners have a subscription a couple of weeks ago about these but i always um try and read a few poems on the tours as well and one of the 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 a couple of the poems i read are seamus heaney's uh, works on on the the bog body so look them up and um it'll give you a sense of what you'll see in uh when you get to the museum and then after that, I, in Dublin, I'd say about a quarter of a mile away, head down for Sweeney's Pharmacy. Now, Sweeney's is actually a, it's a pharmacy, but it's a Joycean museum at this point. It was a, a pharmacy that was mentioned in Ulysses, 
um, Leopold Bloom pops in for a, a bar of soap for his wife, a bar of lemon soap that, that he has to buy for his wife. So it became, uh, you know, a, a, a scene on the um, on the on the Joycean tours, and they've turned it into a little museum now. And there's a man called P.J. Murphy, who is a scholar and a fine singer, and he gives us a song or two from Joyce Times. And we're actually going to have the, um, the 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 launch of Always Ireland is going to be in, in uh, Sweeney's in early April. And after that, if if uh, we'd, we'd probably head across to Kennedy's Pub across the way for a pint. So it's a, that's a nice little thing to do on your first day in Dublin. Three little things, the Bob Bodies, Sweeney's for, for a Joyce recital and a song, and then over for a pint in Kennedy's Pub would be my, <clears throat> my recommendation for Dublin. And then my second place would be Kilkenny. Love Kilkenny. Um, absolutely fabulous place. Um, you've got, it's, it's a medieval town. It's got this history of witchcraft, which is kind of fascinating, you know. Um, there's, there's been a lot of witches in Kilkenny down the years. <laughs> And on the other side of it, there's a lot of churches. Yeah. Um, and one of them, St. Mary's, is now a medieval museum, of course, one of the best in the world. And so take the, the medieval mile walking tour and you'll get the, the whole sweep of it. And then the other great thing is in Kilkenny, uh, part of that tour would be St. Canis's Cathedral, which is up on the hill. Um, it's got fabulous... Uh, glass um stained glass windows mm -hmm. that we're seeing which were devastated by our friend oliver cromwell when he invaded but you get the full story there right beside is the round tower which you can climb up it's one of the only two i think round towers that you can actually yeah. climb well worth the view but the best thing probably about kilkenny is the nightlife it's just got such it's such a great place to be it's such fun you know um, you can get out and see the, the medieval cellars where uh, in Kylter's Inn where, where the witches hung out um, and have a pint there. You can go to Tynan's Bridge House Bar mm -hmm. is another great pub that we like to go to. Myself and Rory, Rory Shopmancy, uh, who leads our, our, our tours, went in there last year and I'll never forget it was just after COVID and the whole, it was packed to the to the rafters and everyone in there was singing along to the house band and the singer who was singing a, a, an old Lonnie Donegan tune. Um, I just remember being kind of blasted with this wave of happiness, you know, and I turned to, to Rory, I said, God, this must be the ha happy, one of the happiest rooms in the world now at this stage, you know, it was just fantastic. It was, it, you know, and, and that's, that's every Saturday night in Kilkenny, as you know, it's a marvellous place. The other lovely place to visit in Kilkenny is the Hole in the Wall pub. Do you know that, Jodie? Hole in the Wall, yes. Yeah, it's great. It's like a little place. Have a, that, yeah, I have uh, to have a little search for it. Yeah, well, it's hard to find, which makes it kind of fun, you know. It's like a, a mystery. You've got to go looking for it. It's down the way with down a little alley and, you know, in a little nook. And it's literally a tiny little room, like somebody's kitchen. Uh, and there's a little courtyard and there's the, the wall then with the famous hole in it mm -hmm. where administrators during the, the butler rule would be, uh, you know, I suppose civil servants would be going there for a quiet drink to um, to get up to mischief or to, to do whatever they, they shouldn't have been doing, you know. Um, so there's only one entrance. So if any other bosses or anyone official came in, they would have to get out the hole in the wall. That was their, <laughs> their boat hole, you know. 
but it's a great it's a great place it's a lovely place to spend an afternoon there you know just just chatting and and uh, the barmen always know the full story they give you good good uh good history of the place you know with, with all the, the the local legends and folklore thrown in and then um <clears throat> the third place i would say to answer your question would be donegal mm-hmm. because um i gotta say i hadn't been to donegal since i was 16 uh like most people, um, and and I, I went back and I was just amazed. I was blown away how great it was and how how different it was from the rest of Ireland in terms of it's got its own culture, its own way of being. It's it's very laid back. It's very chill. It's a bit like, uh, you know, going to Louisiana or somewhere. They just do things in a whole different way to the rest of the country. You know. Yeah. Um, and I found I found great things up there that I wasn't expecting to find. I I, I found a place called wildlife ireland mm-hmm. which uh is in a place called burnfoot in donegal way off the beaten path but it's um it's it's basically a wildlife park where this very passionate guy uh he's a lawyer his name is killian mclaughlin so he's cr- recreated the celtic rainforest from you know two thousand years ago and he's reintroducing all these animals and trees and stuff that were were there at the time, but but um, became extinct, I guess. In the meantime, so he's brought wolves back to Ireland for the first time. He's a couple of brown bears, and he's all kinds of very interesting birds, like the the capercaillie, which you'll get in Scotland only. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this magical kind of world, wildlife world that you can visit up there. And it's not a zoo; it's 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 a, a good few acres. So the, like the animals sanctuary are, more, right? Yeah, it's a sanctuary. So you know, it's um. The animals are, I wouldn't say they're running wild, but they're in big, big enclosures. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't see them all. It's, you're kind of going onto their turf. But he's done a fantastic job. And it's just, it's kind of a magical place to spend a day. And as I was leaving there, Killian said to me, you know, while you're here, go and see the Celtic Peace Garden. And I said, well, what's that? And it was just down the road. Um, and it was... Um, it's a garden that, that honors the lives of the Irish saints uh, throughout history and statues and miniature buildings. So, you know, for St. Kevin, you'll have uh, an actual um, round tower built mm-hmm. and a miniature round tower that you can, you can climb up as well. But um, and, and a lake for St. Brendan, the navigator and so on. So you walk around this garden and it's, it's just it's a very secluded garden, very peaceful garden. And it was... Um, it was the idea of a man called Father Neil Carlin, um, and his brother Brendan Carlin helped him um, help him build it. And it was just this fantastic story that I stumbled across almost, you know. And it's it's in the book, but it's a, it's a lovely place to spend a very peaceful couple of hours. Right, you're not going to run into many people there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's like <laughs> at the same time, it's like um, I don't know, ten, twelve miles from Derry, from mm-hmm. Derry City, you know, where had, had bore the brunt of a lot of trouble. So this was their answer to the troubles: is to, to have a, a Celtic peace garden, which is a lovely idea, very, um, and a lovely place to to go. And then <clears throat> the main reason I went to Donegal was to to look at the Glenvey National Park, which is absolutely fantastic. It's kind of Ireland's secret national park, you know, because it's so far up there, and Donegal only has one, <laughs> one road. way in. Yeah, well, from the Republic, <laughs> you know, otherwise you've got to go across the north. 
but um, it's you know it's it's a lesser visited uh, place, but it's absolutely gorgeous. It's got Glenway Castle, Loch Bay. Um, it's got a dark history, of course, but a, a fabulous place, a lovely, lovely place for a walk. You know, spectacular walking in in, in wilderness. Yeah, and there's um, a, a guy up there actually in the in the high season. You can rent electric bikes mm, up there, mm. and that makes it it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful ride through there. Yeah, it is. It's it's well worth dedicating a day to that. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you like being outdoors, it's absolutely magical as well. But the whole of Donegal is filled with great things. You know, there's surfing. There's you can stay in a lighthouse mm-hmm. uh, overnight. It's just it's it's a it's a wonderland up there. It's great. Yeah, it's it takes tiny. a little bit getting up there. It takes a little bit longer, but it's well worth the time. You know, so those they're my three my three. Uh, tips for (laughs) three tips with three tips that was exceptional well jack again i want to thank you so much for your time um obviously your book always ireland an insider's tour of the emerald isle is available now and Mm -hmm. uh people can get it at barnes and noble amazon you know all all the uh all the usual suspects yeah exactly anywhere you you order books yeah and And little sample of it jody i'd say to your listeners um go to at jk global um the instagram account uh at jk global and just you know we have little samples of the stories and photographs kind of give you a taster and i will link that in the show notes so people can very easily get over to the instagram page because the pictures are gorgeous the the little snippets of the stories are so terrific and you know, like I said, I, I heavily, I don't want to say skimmed it because I, I read, but, you know, had to, had to get through it before we talked. Um, so it's really nice to, for me, I, I look at it and I'm like, oh, do I remember that one? And, and then I track it down. Um, so really a great Instagram account to follow. And my listeners know that they can go into the show notes and get all the links. So for every place that you mentioned in the, uh, the three places not to miss and then the three places in those three places are also going to be linked so all of your wonderful wisdom is uh easily great. shareable great and I, i'd encourage everyone to go to ireland you know it's uh it, it'll live up to your expectations particularly if you don't have any you know this is the great <laughs> thing just, just as i say go with an open mind talk to people and you, you'll definitely have fun you know you'll you'll enjoy ireland you know so I'd encourage everyone to go at least once in their lifetime, right? Exactly. And I can't finish any better than that. So all I am going to say is thank you so much for your time. And thank you, Jody. Thanks very much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Traveling in Ireland podcast and that you will go out and grab Jack's book because, like he said, it really is a terrific aspirational guide to travel in Ireland. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star review at Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can't leave a review on your podcast app, you can leave a review at Ireland Family Vacations on the Facebook page. Or if you're listening on your mobile device, go ahead, take a screenshot, pop it into your Instagram stories, and tag me at Ireland Family Vacations with a few kind words. If you have questions or comments, you can always email me, Jody, J-O-D-Y, at IrelandFamilyVacations.com. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, Slangafold.